<laughs> Let's do this. Whoa, we're gonna have a day. It's FT Live, Scotty Braun, Eric Kratz, AJ Pierzynski, and in a few minutes, Ken Rosenthal, Jesse Rogers from ESPN will join us soon, Lucy Burge later on, Kendall Graveman, and Brandon Belt in our number two. But that's it, just a light guest list today, including my all-time favorite player in Kendall Graveman. And if you're on the outside of that joke, then stick around. But <laughs> AJ, I had to avoid you today. Somehow I got out of Studio AJ and quickly scurried over to Kratz's spot because I guess I had a heads up that shit was going down in Chicago. For real. Well, it was your it was your birthday, and uh, I don't did it, something happen in Chicago yesterday? Because I, mm. I I mean my phone hasn't stopped ringing for about I don't know eighteen hours now um, <laughs> since the, <laughs> since the news broke. Um, it's been an interesting eighteen hours to say the least because I I thought I heard a rumor about something weird happening in Chicago that. I'm not sure. Did we call for it on the show? I, I'm pretty sure we did. I'm like pretty that. sure we've definitely covered it at length, and we will continue to do that right now. So let us charge the damn mound powered by Teaser. We need all the energy we can get today, okay? I'm throwing one in just for the energy. Throw one in, baby. Because <laughs> I think AJ, AJ needs one. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited Ooh. today to just kick back, relax, and watch AJ, and then eventually Ken and the rest of the – the uh, entourage get after it. So, what, what's that clock we have? Oh, it's white socks. I'm eating it up already. So, um, if, if you wait, wait, why is this a rant? Why can this not be a, a positive thing? Why can this not be a, a yeah, we did it kind of thing? Like a, a positive, like, listen, I never want to see anybody get fired. Okay. Never ever do I ever wish upon anybody to lose their job, lose their livelihood, or not be able to do what they love the most, which apparently for Kenny Williams is Rick Hahn was. Run the White Sox. At the same time, we called for it. We've talked about it. We had Lance Lynn on here. We talked about Kenyon Middleton. Kenyon Middleton, excuse me. We've talked about all these things on here, more than we should be talking about a team that's 27 games under 500 around that mark, right? They've lost a bunch of games in a row. They've gotten pummeled the last few nights by the Mariners, and they just can't figure a team to get out of their way. The thing that for me, we're going to get into it with Ken and Jesse, and, and, and I've been on the phone all day. I talked – to people is how this went down and why this went down is what my major issue with the whole thing is. First of all, it happened in the middle of the season. Okay, fine. GMs get fired in the middle of the season, yada, yada, yada. But why the timing of this? And I can't wait to talk to Ken and Jesse about this. If you read the press statement at the end, it made a, it told you that Jerry Reinsdorf already had who he wanted. Why? Cause at the end it said it will be filled before the end of the year. Now, are there GM candidates out there? President candidates out there? Absolutely. But the names you see that most people are saying, Kim Ng, Dave Dombrowski, you know, even a Theo Epstein, he's not coming to the White Sox. Sorry, he's White Sox fans. He's just not. Okay. Because Jerry's not going to pay him enough. That's the whole other story. But Kim Ng is in the middle of the playoff race with the Marlins. She's not going to leave the Marlins, a team that gave her a chance as GM, to come to the White Sox to a team that's going to have to rebuild again when she can stay in the Marlins and say, look, I've already done this for a year and I can be this. Dave Dombrowski's not leaving the Phillies. They went to the World Series last year in the one of the hottest teams in baseball right now. So why now? Because Jerry Reinsdorf already knew, and Bob Nightingale said it, Chris Getz and Dayton Moore. Now, whatever you want to think about Chris Getz and Dayton Moore, they have one thing in common, and it's the guy who is now a consultant who was the manager of the Chicago White Sox last year. Guess who that is? Tony La Russa. Who is Jerry Reinsdorf's best friend? Tony La Russa. Who did, date, who did Tony La Russa say was one of his favorite people in baseball? Dayton Moore. Chris Getz worked under Rick Hahn, Kenny Williams, okay? 
basically third in charge in the organization. Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams did not want to hire Tony La Russa. They wanted someone else. Jerry hired Tony La Russa. La Russa gets blamed. He gets fired. La Russa gets in Jerry's ear. Says, Jerry, we need to make this move. Boom. Happens like that, right? Who does Tony hire? Dayton Moore. Who's one of Dayton Moore's best friends? Chris Getz. Boom. There's your thing. When they hired Pedro Grafol, where was Pedro Grafol a coach with for many years? In the minor leagues with Dayton Moore, Chris Getz. Rumor from people I've talked to, Chris Getz had a lot of power in the hiring process for the White Sox this offseason. So if you look at it from the outside and you start digging in a little bit more, it makes a lot more sense if these rumors are true about Chris Getz and Dayton Moore. We're just getting started, so let's bring in our guy, Fair Territory star, FT Insider, the Athletics Insider, Ken Rosenthal with us right now for all this juicy news. Ken, great to have you on. Want to get your take. And also, we didn't get to this yet. Should we ask AJ if he was in consideration for the front office role? <laughs> no. Uh, we can get to that later. First of all, <laughs> one thing that needs to be said right off the top was how surprising this was, considering Jerry Reinsdorf's history, both with the Bulls and with the White Sox. He is considered perhaps the most loyal owner to employees in his sport in either sport. And that has been his hallmark. He has stuck with Ken Williams and Rick Hahn for this long. Ken Williams has been with the organization more than 30 years. Rick Hahn, more than 20 years. So for him to do this, obviously he felt the change was necessary. Now, getting to the idea of Chris Getz and Dayton Moore. Dayton Moore is an accomplished general manager. Of course, he won a World Series. He also was Pedro Grafal's boss in Kansas City. Pedro Grafal is the current manager of the White Sox. But if Chris Getz is going to be the general manager of this team, I have some serious questions. Chris Getz is running a farm system that even after all the White Sox trades during the deadline, still ranks only 22nd, according to Baseball America. They made all those trades, got all those prospects. They're still only 22nd. It's not like there is a fountain of players coming from that farm system. So... What is Chris Getz's qualification here? I have no idea. He has not been a GM. He has not been anything more than a farm director. He is in the inner circle, I guess. But you know what? The White Sox need to get away from what they've done in the past. They need to bring in some fresh ideas, a fresh individual to run their team. I'm with AJ. When I saw that the statement said a person would be in place by the end of the season, my immediate reaction was, yes, they've got someone in mind. And Bob Nightingale did report Chris Getz is probably the guy. There are so many others out there you can look at right now, not Dave Dombrowski, Kim Eng, current executives. I'm talking about James Click, who won a World Series with the Astros last season. I'm talking about John Daniels, who might not be ready to get back in after the Rangers fired him last year, but he has been to the World Series as well. There are others, too, assistant GMs, people all over the sport who would come to your organization and bring you fresh ideas. The White Sox have been arguably too insular. Well, if they hire Chris Getz, it's another insular move, and it's one that is going to raise a lot of eyebrows and get people scratching their heads throughout the sport, which seems to be a White Sox tradition. It makes sense, Ken. I mean, listen, there's so much to this story that doesn't make sense from the timing of it. Kenny and Rick were on the field for batting practice yesterday. Had no idea. Had no clue they were getting fired. They get fired between 4.30 and 7 p.m.? How does that – I mean, explain that process to me. 
right? I played with Chris Getz. I like Chris Getz a lot. This is not a personal knock on Chris Getz at all. He has been the farm director slash whatever the title they've given him for seven years with the White Sox now. Find me an impact player they've developed. Find me a player that hasn't been a first-rounder or a high pick that they've developed out of nowhere to become a major league fixture. You look at their roster, it's all guys that Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams traded for or signed as free agents that have had an impact on them the last few years. Because if you look at – number one picks like Vaughn. Well, and number one picks. I mean, Andrew Vaughn, Gavin Sheets. Yes, I get that part of it. But they haven't found the diamond in the rough to make an impact at the major league level. They haven't developed guys from a 12th-round pick, right? Boom, 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 worked them up the ladder. Oh, man, this guy can contribute even as a platoon guy. There's not those players. And Chris Getz is in charge of this. And keep in mind also, AJ, that's a much different job than the general manager job. The general manager job is much broader, involves much more. You're overseeing the farm department, the amateur scouting, the professional scouting, the international scouting, all of the administrative details, the analytics, everything falls under your purview. So you've got to be someone capable of doing that. And listen, no one knows if Chris Getz or anyone else for that matter is capable until they get the job. That's fair for anybody who is a first-time GM. But for a team like this, a team that needs so much work to be done, I would say any first-time GM would be a risk. Any assistant GM they hired, let's say, from the Dodgers who hasn't been a GM, that guy or that woman would be a risk too. So from that perspective, if this is the choice, I do not understand it. They are not without hope. And I wrote this today. I spoke with five executives last night from other teams. Their view of the White Sox is, one, Chicago is a great city. Two, Reinsdorf is loyal to his employees. And three, you're playing in the American League Central, the weakest division. You're in the biggest market. You've got probably the most money of any of those teams, or at least the resources to do some things. This should be a sleeping giant. And yet you don't know, or you shouldn't have much faith that the White Sox are going to turn it around and make themselves into that giant because of these kinds of decisions that have been made over the years. Uh, okay, so now I'm going to take off my foul territory hat. And I'm going to put my white... Yeah, thank you. And I'm going to put my White Sox fan hat on, okay? As a White Sox fan, why should I be excited about this hire? I, I, there was so much excitement on Twitter, X, Instagram, whatever social media platform you are about, okay, it finally happened. And again, I, I, I have talk, I've talked to Kenny Williams. I've talked to... You know, said, Kenny, I appreciate, you know, how much respect I have for you and what you did. You brought me to Chicago, so thank you. Brought me a World Series, okay? I never want to see anybody get fired, no matter what your feelings are for them. It's not where I am. But as a White Sox fan, I'm thinking, okay, this happened after all this time. All this time. Kenny's been there for 30 years. Rick's been there for 20-plus years. They're going to go out and they're going to make a home run hire, a splash hire, that makes people say, okay, we're turning it around. And then they go to the third in command, basically. I, you know, organizations are – level differently, but you have the GM, the president, or whatever, Kenny's executive vice president. And assistant you had GMs too. Yeah. Assist, but Kets was an like assistant GM, right? He was assistant he's GM, in the hierarchy. director of player. He's, he's in the top five-ish, ten-ish of the organization. Okay, great. But then you go get Dayton Moore, okay? And then you have Pedro Grafol. Is this the 2019 Royals we're looking at here? I, I just don't understand. If I'm a fan, and as I, everyone knows I'm a fan of the White Sox, why am I excited about this hire? What? Now, listen, I hope they do great things because I, I want the White Sox to do well, but this is not an, a sexy hire, not an exciting hire, not a 
from the outside looking in, again, this is my only my, as my fan, and I want him to do well. This is not a home run hire for a lot of people. It is a AJ. typical White Sox, typical White Sox, Jerry Reinsdorf, love you, Jerry. Let's just be loyal to the people and just take the next person and put them there because I, Jerry knows them, and, I, and I'm comfortable talking to them every day, and we'll go from there. And then I have Tony in my ear saying, oh, I love Dayton Moore. You should bring him on board too. AJ, you just said it. This would be, if it happens, a Jerry Reinsdorf hire. And that makes it all the more curious. And Jerry Reinsdorf, as the owner of the team, is entitled to do whatever he wants. But as John Greenberg wrote in The Athletic today, the guy who should be fired right now is Jerry Reinsdorf himself because he has overseen all of this. And he is the architect, ultimately, the one in command. And this is where they are. So you're absolutely right. If you're a fan and you're hearing the news today that the likely people to run this team are Chris Getz and Dayton Moore, you're probably not too excited. You're probably wondering, well, what vision of theirs is going to be different than the vision we've seen already? And I'd be more comfortable if it was Dayton Moore as the head guy, the president of baseball operations, and Chris Getz, maybe as the general manager below him. I don't know if that's going to be the structure or if it's going to be as we think. Getz at top with Dayton Moore at his side. But Dayton Moore, at least, has done this. And that's my problem here. I, I don't know Chris Getz very well. And, of course, I'm not saying this in a personal manner. But just look at the record, what he has accomplished as farm director or not accomplished, and what he has done as a front office executive. He hasn't been in this role. So, again, I'll say it one more time. Not to say that a first-time general manager cannot succeed. That's absurd. Of course, a first-time general manager can succeed. Everyone in this job is a first-time general manager at one point. At the same time, in this organization's evolution, where they are now, they need someone to figure out the farm system, to patch together the major league club. They have some pieces. Luis Robert Jr., Dylan Cease, and a few others, Andrew Vaughn's one, maybe Aloy. They've got some guys to build around, but they have to do it, and they have to do it in a more efficient better way. This organization needs basically an entire upgrade in terms of analytics and infrastructure. You need someone who has done this job, who can come in and start snapping his fingers or her fingers and saying, all right, here we go. I'm not seeing that happening with the current people that they're talking about, at least with Getz, if he's at the top. Is it plausible that they could start trading more guys off? They allowed all these other trades. Is it plausible that we would see that, or are they going to keep the guys that they've kept? They've been called, everyone's been called out of the system, and now they're going to add to it. Which is more plausible, getting rid of these guys they have, or this offseason, hey, I'll, I'll sign another Benatendi type, or is this a three- to four-year rebuild? Eric, I'm going to give you a bit of a circular answer. When I covered the Orioles for the Baltimore Sun way back, it was hard to think along with Peter Angelos because he would do kind of the opposite of what was logical. The White Sox, as we're discussing, often do the opposite of what is logical. So the logical thing, in my opinion, is if you're firing your top two executives, you clearly want the team to go forward now and build back up again. Jerry Reinsdorf is 87. I can't imagine he wants to go into even more of a rebuild. They just came out of one. So... My guess is that, yes, they are going to take those core pieces and add to them and try to supplement what they have and try to do some different things. Am I convinced of that? Am I certain of it? 
let's put it this way. I wrote a column last night listing people that I thought could be potential White Sox GM candidates. Chris Getz wasn't on that list because I didn't believe that they would stay internal. Now it appears they are staying internal. Again, hard to think along with Jerry Reinsdorf. But isn't this the easy hire? I think what Bob said is that Dayton Moore is going to be the president. Getz is going to be the GM. So I guess Dayton Moore will oversee. That I yeah. would understand more that's, so. That's, yes, the, that's fine. Makes, okay, that obviously makes yeah. more sense. Yes. But this seems like, I mean, again, we, we, we've talked about it. Like you're saying like, what? you know, they're going to go out and add to this. Well, who are they going to add? Because the free agent crop this year, they need pitching. It ain't great in pitching-wise. They're not going to sign Shohei. I there mean, are a lot of pitchers, people. though. They're, well, hold on. There are pitchers available. The market is deeper in pitchers this offseason than it is in hitters. But it's more than that. It is making shrewd trades. It's also waiver claims and Rule 5 picks and all of the different ways that you can get players that teams employ now. Go look at the Mariners' bullpen, for instance. A bunch of guys that really were not big names, were not big trade pieces. They were waiver claims and other kinds of freely available talent. That is what an organization needs to do in addition to spending money on free agents and drafting and developing and working the international market. You've got to find players on the margins. White Sox have not done a very good job of that. Well, who was in charge of that? Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams. And? Jerry Reinsdorf. I mean, what are you asking well, here? Chris Getz. Chris Getz is not in charge of, of developing charge players. Of that kind of thing. Developing, developing players, players. Yes, he is, 100%. Absolutely. And he goes he around and sees players in the minor leagues, and he tells them, hey, this guy's in the minor leagues. We need to get him, right? I no, that's assume. not really his role. His role well, okay. is it's to develop their own talent internally. Yes. Uh, okay. Well, you said, but development's going to be a big thing, I feel like, for the White Sox because, you know, we, we know Jerry. Like, you can say the surprise and this and that, but Jerry's not going to spend a ton of money. He already did that. It didn't work when he got LaRusso. He brought in Lynn and Graveman and all, you know, Hendricks and, and Joe Kelly. And, like, the list goes on and on, right? Jerry's not going to do that again. So, how are they going to have to get the players? Trades and developing. And they haven't done under, and again, I, and this is just the fan side of me. Under Chris Getz, they haven't developed players right. to a point where well, when they come, you look at organizations, you look at like Tampa, but they bring up dudes and they're like, damn, these dudes are ready to go. They lose Wander Franco, Wasabi uh, comes up and he's, you're like, okay, this kid ain't bad. He's ready to go. Right? The Cardinals, they always call up these guys and say what you want about them, but they're usually ready when they get there. It's the way to, Oscar Colas was supposed to be the guy. He had to go to AAA, and I get it happens, but he still doesn't look ready, right? There hasn't been a guy in the last other than, I mean, even Andrew Vaughn, right? He was a first-round pick. He was third overall. He's been good. He's been serviceable. He should be good. A, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly, good but he should be your third overall pick. You better, you should be a guy you're like, oh, man, this is a, a core guy for the next 10 years, right? But I'm just looking at it from the outside, and you're like, who have they come up with under this regime who they just took the guy who was in charge of the development, and now you're going to put him in charge of everything? Who have they come up? Who has come up and done that? And to me as a fan, this is just me as a fan, it hasn't happened. Well, there's another side of this as well, too, and he's a frequent guest on this show, Lance Lynn. We're talking about major league coaching and development and all the things that go into it, analytics. How is it? that Lance Lynn statistically is one of the worst pitchers in baseball, ERA, home runs allowed, with the White Sox. He goes to Los Angeles with the Dodgers, and suddenly, voila, he's back to being the old Lance Lynn, if not better than the old Lance Lynn. That, to me, is perhaps the most damning thing to happen to the White Sox all season long, that suddenly he's this successful because obviously they unlock some things. 
Why aren't the White Sox unlocking some things? And it's not what you're addressing with Chris Getz, AJ, it's not. But at the same time, they've got to get that straight too. They've got to get a lot of things straight. And frankly, this is not a team that really has embraced analytics to the same extent as other clubs. Dayton Moore, kind of the same category. They have it in Kansas City and had it when he was there, but I don't know that they've done it ex- extensively as some other teams. And as much as you hear from fans, particularly in New York with the Yankees right now, oh, we got to get away from analytics. Sorry. No team is getting away from analytics. And some of the most successful teams in the sport, the Dodgers, the Rays, the Astros, I can go right down the list, they use analytics to their absolute advantage. Are the White Sox doing that? I would suggest the answer is no. Hey, Ken, while we just have a few minutes here, um, you broke the story about Pete Alonzo. Can you give us more information about what you heard and what that tells you about what the Mets might be thinking this offseason? Well, Scott, the story was simply that the Brewers made a push for Alonzo at the deadline. And how close they came to making that deal is kind of a matter of perspective. The Brewers thought they were somewhat close. One source told me within field goal range. The Mets dispute that. They said it never got to a point where really it was that close to happening. Regardless, the real question here is what are the Mets going to do with Pete Alonso? One more year of club control after this year. He is a unique slugger in today's game in Mets history. First met with four 35 home run seasons. His next home run will be his 40th. He will then have 340 home run seasons. That's more than the entire organization and its history combined. So Pete Alonso can be your linchpin going forward. Will the Mets sign him to an extension that would begin in his age 30 season? I'm not convinced that their analytics people and their general manager, Billy Epler, want to do that. They want, do they want to go long-term with Pete Alonso? That's a real interesting question. And we're going to find out the answer eventually. Because either they trade him this offseason, and as the Brewers' interest showed, any team can take on what his salary will be, $21, $22 million in arbitration his final year. Or do the Mets seek to sign him to an extension? And the third option would be allowing him to go to free agency the way the Yankees did with Judge and try to re-sign him then. Judge is an interesting comp here, and not statistically not so much, as Judge is a guy who proved he can thrive in New York. Pete Alonso has done the same. There's value to that. And as I wrote today also, if you keep putting together 40 home run seasons, as Alonso has, you're going to be on a Hall of Fame track. The Mets have only two players in the Hall of Fame represented with their uniform on their plaques. That would be Seaver and Mike Piazza. So all of these factors kind of combine into the whole stew and the whole decision-making process. But we'll see where the Mets go. Now, people say, well, Alonzo's going to require an eight-year deal, a nine-year deal. Not necessarily. Paul Goldschmidt got a five-year extension, and Freddie Freeman got a six-year free agent deal from the Dodgers at ages that were even beyond Alonzo's. So yes, he could argue that he wants more years. But you can do a five-year, six-year deal for high dollars, high salaries, and go about it that way. Again, this is a decision that the Mets are going to have to make. If they want to trade in this offseason, they'll be able to, but the greater value would have been at the deadline when he was available for two pennant races and not one. Yeah, fascinating story in that they didn't pull the trigger. And also, just for me, following him for a long time, is that they didn't go after him earlier. I mean, he's been really good for them for a while. I just was surprised that he was the guy that kept lingering and nothing ever circulated there. Ken, great stuff. 
We'll catch you again very soon. Welcome back. Um, welcome back to the fire. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you. And Fair Territory is there, as always, of course. Um, check it out this week, and then we get this news from Ken. I'm sure he'll cover it more on next week's episode. And that is a very aggressive charge of the mound, powered by Tiza. Use discount code FOUL for 20% off your first order at TizaEnergy.com. If you have friends that are dippers, tell them get off of that crap and move on. No nicotine, no tobacco, the whole deal. Now let's go to our guy, Jesse Rogers from ESPN. And Jesse, we had you on recently. We got to double down. <laughs> this is quite the shakeup and quite the timing and really even details that I didn't know. Like they were on the field yesterday, didn't even know that they were getting canned. I guess they hadn't been told yet. So give us what you got and then we'll follow up. I mean, a lot of it is what Kenny had to say, to be honest. I don't know what the tipping point was for Jerry to pull the plug yesterday, right? Game two of a random series in August instead of right after the trade deadline or right at the end of the season. I don't know what that tipping point was. And in some ways, the firing of both guys is very shocking. But for any other organization, it would be very normal. They failed miserably in this rebuild. And because of that, you lose your job. In fact, Dayton Moore lost his job in Kansas City last year, in part because they weren't advancing Al Avila in Detroit last year. So the three bottom teams in the AL Central have all turned over their front office. So like I said, in a lot of ways, it just kind of makes sense. But for this organization, it's very, very surprising. And just kind of to you know, play off of what Kenny had to say and AJ had to say, it just feels like in general, this team operates at like 75% capacity. And I might be being generous. And what I mean by that is at every level, it's not just um, one area, the manager, uh, player, player development, player acquisition, analytics. It feels like while other teams like the Rays or Astros are working at 110% capacity, the White Sox are more like 75 or less. And, and again, that just encompasses everywhere. And so it, like you guys, I'm surprised in some ways that they're staying in-house if they do, in fact, promote Chris Getz. But when I saw the end of that press release, like you guys said, um, if he wants it in place by the end of the year, that means he has someone in mind and most likely it's internal. And my final thought is this whether it be Dayton Moore, Pedro Grafal, Chris Getz. I didn't buy into this last offseason, this idea of hiring from a losing organization. I mean, there are good people that work in losing organizations. But now that I've seen it up close for a year now, whether it be Pedro or again Dayton or Chris Getz, there's probably something to people that are around winning every day and around winning organizations every day, and they know what it looks like. And in any of these people, if they're hired, there's none of that. There's none of that. I joked all year that if there was a change, go hire the security guard down in Tampa Bay for the Rays. He probably sees winning more than, than the White Sox or Chris Getz at this point. So that's my feeling. I would like somebody that has done or been around some recent winning. So what I see the White Sox missing is accountability. Are they bringing in accountability with these two guys? And to me, I think it's from an outsider's viewpoint, it's Jerry keeping people around. And so when you want, when you're always like never firing people, the accountability aspect is like, you have to be able to be accountable to other people and telling other people, including Jerry, you're wrong. And that's why I thought AJ would be a great GM 
He doesn't want the job. So they moved on to the next. But are these next two guys, are they accountable enough? I think Dayton Moore is. I played with Chris Getz. But does Jerry, will Jerry allow these guys to, or is it more of a Jerry thing? And it really doesn't matter who he brings in. Well, let's at least give credit that Jerry actually held some people accountable for the first time in decades, at least at the front office level. So he saw the dysfunction. Maybe he read it in that uh, Keenan Middleton piece who we still, I still think the best thing he said in that piece is shit rolls downhill. And that's exactly right. Maybe Jerry kind of realized this is dysfunctional and we need to make a change, but Like you said, is it really making that big of a change when you're hiring the guy that worked under Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams, that learned under Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams? So it's a weird thing. Like Kenny, though, I give everybody a chance. Maybe there's some incredible ideas that Chris Getz was never allowed to implement because he wasn't in charge. So, of course, you give everybody a chance. But on the surface, I'll go back to what I said. I would have liked to seen someone that was around winning more recently but to your point, at least they finally held some people accountable for this failed rebuild. I'll give them that much. Jesse, I, uh, obviously you, we've been around the White Sox a long time, you and I both, and you covered the White Sox when I was a player, and, and we've known mm-hmm. each other for a long time. Kenny's been there for over for 30-ish years. Rick was there for over 20 years. And, yes, Jerry finally held him accountable. And was it the Keenan Middleton interview? Was it Lance Lynn on our show? backing up Keenan Middleton that finally opened Jerry's eyes. We'll never know unless Jerry talks, which Jerry doesn't do a whole lot, okay? When I was with the White Sox, and you'll back me up on this, Ozzie and Kenny, it's Kenny's fault, it's Ozzie's fault, we're going to argue, blah, 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 right? Then it, then they get rid of Ozzie and they bring in Robin, okay? And then it's they promote Rick to GM, Kenny to vice president, whatever his title was, right? And they're like, okay, it's going to be different now because Ozzie's not here. And then it became – well, Rick wants to do this, and Kenny wants to do this, and Rick and Kenny and yada, yada, yada. And, they're fine. and we even heard it this year with the burger trade, right? People yeah. are like, well, Rick made the trade. No, Kenny made the trade. No, Rick. No, who really made the trade, okay? And then from people that I've talked to, they say that Getz, as the minor league field director, development, whatever the title exactly is, director of minor leagues, he was always trying to do things, and Rick and Kenny wouldn't let him, right? So now he has all these grandiose ideas that Rick and but he learned from those guys. So it just seems like from the outsider, again, you're there way more than I am, but they're looking at it like it's just more of the same shit, right? It's just going to be yeah. another like, oh, well, Getz got the job because he blamed Rick and Kenny and Jerry finally saw it because Keenan Middleton talked and Lance Lynn talked. And then, oh, well, he has all these great ideas because maybe Chris Getz has. And again, this, these are just things I've heard and, and I'm not putting facts on it because I don't know. But because yeah. he gets somehow got Jerry's ear and was like, well, I have all these grandiose ideas, but Rick and Kenny won't let me do them. So now it's like, oh, well, I'll try Getz's ideas and see if they work. It, it just seems like more of the same retread. And if you're going to blow it up, like we've talked about on the show, you got to blow it up all the way. Yeah. For me, yeah. from an outsider, you got to you got rid of Rick and Kenny, fine. But you got to go field coordinator, minor league director, whoever, right? And start over and let the guy at the top hire his people all the way down, not bring in another guy that has been there for seven years. Yeah, like you said, it feels very circular to do something like this. You made this bold move firing both executives, and then you just hire the guy that learned under them, not to say he he doesn't have some different and maybe better ideas, but this is about sort of risk-reward and maximizing your situation. You have a clean slate. Like I said, go out and get the best lieutenant on the Dodgers, the Astros, the Rays, people that have been around winning and see it every day. 
stop operating at 75% capacity. I, I think there's some truth to all of that. You go back to those hirings after Ozzy. I mean, it was clear they wanted a manager that would kind of fall in line. Let's face it. Ozzy, you know, sort of went to his, it went, he went his own way a lot of times, but it was successful at least for a long time. And so look, from Robin Ventura to Ricky Renteria, now Tony was a departure and I don't think Rick or Kenny really loved that. But then back to Pedro Grafal, these were first time managers that certainly the front office could, I don't want to use the word control, but have their finger on more than a Tony La Russa, more than an Ozzie Guillen. And that didn't work either. So it's just going back to what I said, operating at, at less than capacity in a very competitive professional sport. And it doesn't feel like it's going to change a lot if they continue with internal hires, unless Getz or someone else is very special and we don't see it just yet. I'll give them that chance to be that way, but it doesn't feel like they're maxing out, maxing out a situation where they could start over and start big with someone from the outside. I, I agree, Jesse. I know you're a Cubs fan, but as a White Sox fan, I wouldn't push Getz to succeed, right? Okay. have to get that in. <laughs> yes. Did you hear my, did you hear my, theory, I guess you would call it before, when I started digging in this morning into the whole transaction, why now? Tony La Russa is back with the White Sox. Strange timing, okay? This this thing happens. Tony Tony and Jerry are best mm -hmm. friends. Tony gets in Jerry's ear and says, hey, you know, it's time for a change. It's not working. Blah, 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 blah. Well, guess who didn't want to hire Tony La Russa? Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams, right? right? They wanted someone else. He says, right. well, you should fire Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams. Okay, Jerry's like, okay. And then he goes, well, who, do, who should I hire? Tony LaRusso, on the record, has said Dayton Moore is one of his favorite people he's ever been around in baseball. So guess who? Boom, right? Guess who's yeah. best friends with Dayton Moore? Chris Getz, right? So it's like, it's all, and again, yeah. this is like seven degrees of Kevin Bacon, but it's like seven <laughs> degrees of Tony LaRusso getting his revenge, right, for Rick and Kenny not wanting him. And again, this is all speculation. Just if you read, if you start digging around on the internet, you start finding all these weird coincidences, I guess you can call yeah. them. I mean, is there any, has anybody dug into like, the timing and why this happened now. And, and, and maybe Tony La Russa still is pulling the strings, even though he's not the manager anymore. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt that Tony still has Jerry's ear, whether it's an official capacity or not. We didn't, I didn't need to see a tweet today. As long as Tony is healthy enough, he's talking to Jerry. It might be still daily, you know, as long as, as soon as his health came back. So I don't doubt he has his ear. It doesn't have to be in any official capacity, but it could, it could point to why the timing um, happened yesterday, I, I suppose. You throw Tony in the mix. We don't know exactly how that plays out. But the bottom line is, Tony's been in Jerry's ear. There's no doubt about it. Um, it, it Maybe in a more intense capacity more lately as, as Tony got healthier. I don't know the answer to that. But look, Jerry, it's not like Jerry is 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 friendly, I don't think, with all the new new age executives and even owners like he's an old school guy and that he goes back to tony larusa the first time around as we all know so yes that makes a lot of sense to me now how much power or say tony has i don't know for sure but we know he has his ear i think we can be safe in saying that back at it with espn's jesse rogers you can follow him at jesse rogers espn and this morning he came out with a more positive story as well because <laughs> the team on the other side of town is actually surprisingly quite good, and so is a former MVP and Cody Bellinger. So you wrote about it, you put it out there. Are you surprised at how good Cody has been this year for the Cubs? I've heard some of their front office guys say, hey, we, we knew that the defense and the base running would be there, and yeah. we, we didn't know what Cody would look like with his swing. 
I'm surprised how quickly it came together. I thought it would take more time. And he was really good in April, missed a month and came back just as good and even better since the All-Star break. I mean, EK and AJ, you guys can talk about this. I mean, Scott Boris was telling me for a year, just wait till his shoulder's better. Wait till his shoulder's better. I'm like, all right, all right. But I, I guess it's true, man. And you guys could talk about it. I mean, if you don't have strength in, in your shoulder and you're trying to get to every pitch at the major league level, it just wasn't working. He just did not have barrel control because his shoulder was so weak. And the pandemic and the lockout contributed. I don't know exactly why I couldn't see the best doctors in the world even during the lockout. But whatever the case may be, he got healthy and that changed everything for him. I think the change of scenery and different voices probably helped as well. Just start over, start anew, and you see what he's doing. And I just love the trade deadline story. You don't often cover a team that goes from buying or to selling or selling to buying as quickly as the Cubs did. And they literally were one loss away from maybe doing something differently. And if you remember near the deadline, Mike Talkman went over the wall to save a game in the ninth inning with two outs in St. Louis. Uh, they scored 17 unanswered runs after being down 3 nothing to Washington in one game. So if anything goes south on them, they may have been sellers. And uh, it was all kind of through the eyes of Cody Bellinger. In fact, I like to joke that, you know, with Yankee fans, the Cubs surge really tanked the Yankees because they were all in on Cody Bellinger. And I think he probably could have helped save that lineup because there's just no balance in New York. So it's a fun team to watch. And final point is we, we compare the White Sox to the Cubs here in, in Chicago. I mean, you think about organizations. Here's an owner who will spend money, who will give the power to his baseball people to do what's necessary. The transition from Theo to Jed was pretty smooth, but Jed didn't just didn't stay in house. He hired Carter Hawkins from Cleveland, an organization that knows how to develop pitching. And so Carter, who also brought in, uh, helped bring in Dansby Swanson, his Vanderbilt guys, you know, he brings his expertise. I mentioned the Sox running at 75%. It feels like right now the Cubs are running at 100% and it's showing up on the field in a big way. Wait, you said the Cubs spend money? So that'll be great for Bellinger, right? I mean, he's going to be number one on their list, right? Well, number two after Otani. I think they're <laughs> going to make a push for Shohei. And if it's not Shohei, you, they have to go get Bellinger. You guys have been on the show before. Anyone that listens to me, left-handed sluggers, they are so much more important than any other person in your lineup. Switch hitters, right-handers, you need left-handed sluggers. They don't grow on trees. Otani and Bellinger at the top of their games. The Cubs need at least one of them. I want to follow this by saying, why not both? Why not both? Why couldn't you lure Otani into Chicago with everything that Chicago has to offer? And, oh, hey, by the way, yesterday we just signed Cody Bellinger to $210 million. We have plenty of money left for you because we print money here on the north side. You sound like one of our sports radio callers in Chicago. Sign them both. That's not my money. Um, <laughs> Tom Ricketts is good at his job. As I just mentioned, I feel like he's a pretty good owner. He's not Steve Cohn, okay? He's not the Padres guy. So I don't know if he'd go that far, but it's a great idea. Look, every great team has more than one great lefty. Jordan Alvarez, Kyle Tucker, Kyle Schwarber, Bryce Harper. We can go down the list. The great teams have it because you see so many right-handed pitchers. You need left-handed slug. And even Bellinger is just one guy. Uh, Hap hasn't shown that kind of slug this year. So a Bellinger-Otani tandem, great. I just don't know how they pay for it, but 
look, the Cubs brand goes worldwide even more than it is if they sign Otani. So they could probably afford any two guys if they want. Lastly, here, just a number or just just give me a, an up arrow or a down arrow for Cody. $200 million. I'm going to ignore I'm going to say up because he's left-handed. If he was right-handed, I'd say down. But there's so much. I mean, Brian Cashman should, should back up the Brinks truck. They, they need him. There's Toronto needs him. The Cubs need him. I'm going to say, first of all, it's Scott Boris. So you know it's going to be north of $200 million just for that reason. AJ, you good? Yeah, I just was, wasn't listening. I was eating my candy pop, and Jesse was putting me asleep with all this crap Cub talk. So you know. Sorry that the, the team that's contending doesn't have as much drama going on right now. Jesse, it was really fun and timely to get you on here. Really appreciate it, man. Anytime. Be well, guys. Take care, AJ. See ya. Thanks, Jesse. See you, buddy. Enjoy your snack, AJ. Thank you, Jesse Rogers. Give him a follow. Check out that story on ESPN.com. So let's get back to that baseballer viral hit of the week. What did he say at the beginning? I couldn't. I, I heard the. I heard the end. Heard of the it. good part. What he said to Alex. He said, "I didn't say that stuff or something." He's like, "I didn't say that, Alex." Sounds like he's like, "I didn't say that, Alex." I didn't say that, and he's like, "Fuck off, Alex." Well, can you explain <laughs> what the situation is? It was like he he Cora thought that His. Verlander was. You know how like the time the pitch clock is like boom, 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 and they were kind of getting to him a little bit. And it was later in the game, and I, I think they thought that that Verlander was faking the pitch gum, which I have a courage for. The whole season now, if you want an extra timeout. And uh, so Verlander is like, I can't hear. So he went over to get a new pitch comm. And I think Alex Cora was accusing him of faking it. And that's when he's like, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. And then, you know, we don't know what Alex Cora was saying. But the best is when he's just like, fuck off, Alex, and walks away. Like he shunned him. Like, a, like you know, he's like, get away, flea. Like, fuck off. And look, you can see the comment on the screen right now. Baseballer with this big post. And um, however you say that name, J something one, two, one, three, Core does the same fucking thing. Yeah. Everyone's using that excuse until they figure yeah. out how to get rid of that excuse. And you think that's a thing. Now we talked to who Scherzer about it. Get ready for the playoffs. Every, the, the company that makes Pitchcom is going to freak out and be like, guys, did we make a device that doesn't work? Oh no. Sorry. Every player's just faking it so that they can buy a few extra seconds. They you know, do it. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, AJ. No, I'll let you guys know because we got them for the high school, so I'll let you know if they work or not. Ooh. Sorry about it. <laughs> yeah, but I need loud, a, loud words. Oh, right. I knew Kratz would love that. I knew Kratz would I love mean, that. I mean, one time, be it, like, teach the kids how to call a pitch. We like, did, but, you know, we don't want them stealing it. Hey, I do have a funny story, though. You'll love this about Pitchcom. We were playing a team, and I'm not going to say the team, but they'll know if anyone watches this. They had Pitchcom, and their whole infield had it was travel ball. And we had a kid get on second, and he was going like this to our pitters, and he was like, fastball, breaking ball. And, we're, and, and the other team's like, damn, how do they know what we're calling? Because they weren't giving signs. They were using pitch call. The shortstop in his hat, it was so loud, and there's no one at these games. He could hear the call in, in the shortstop's hat behind him trying to hold him on. So our kids were getting on second. They're like, fastball, curveball. It was great. That's tremendous. But you heard it. You heard. I've been calling for it the whole year. You've been calling for the free timeouts. I've been calling for fans, get into this. Like, they call it all the time in football. They have, I mean, they have stuff on the scoreboard, third and 10 in, you know, 15-yard line. It is epic. They're making stadiums tighter to get the fans so loud. You can't hear. They're going to, like, silent snap counts and all that stuff. Lorenzen said it, and the no-hitter, he couldn't hear. He said he was up to level 20. So Pitchcom 
has to figure this out, that it's going to not work, fans need to take advantage of it. I think the next thing is, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, Whit Merrifield called for it like the first week of the season. He was like, yo, fans here for the opposing pitcher should be doing a, a five count when it's really still like 10 seconds left. You know, five, four, three, and then you get into it's it. It's going to get in your head, even if you're ignoring it. I mean, you guys tell me, right? Like, it's going to get in some pitchers' heads if you got 40,000. Some pitchers. Some pitchers. I don't think Kendall Graveman. Kendall Graveman's probably got a sign system worked out. Maldonado's ahead of the yeah. game there. But if you're going to call out your fan base, like if you want to be a really good fan base, you're doing this in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's one word that should tell you that you can make a difference. Quaida. Oh, <laughs> When are we going to hear the 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 pitcher, the home pitcher, like like they do the quarterbacks and they get behind the center? They're like, yes, Omaha, green some that's a hot. And they're all like, shh, shh, shh. right. I need to see a pitcher take them out and go shush the crowd right before a big pitch. Because guess what? I can't hear the pitch calm in my ear. AJ was a quarterback. AJ was you can tell right. He, he was like, have it. I don't know yeah. what right. he was doing. He well, was no, because I can't go all the way that. wide. Look, because if I go all the way wide, you can't see what I'm doing. I just look like a bird now flapping my wings. Angels in the outfit. Yeah, yeah exactly. woo, right. So I had to do it so everyone could see what I was doing. Right. AJ is a broadcaster, not a quarterback. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. Hey, green IT, green out. <laughs> check out Baseballer on IG for the latest and greatest baseball content on social media. Also, check out their merch at bsblr.com. All right. So AJ. let's let's do it uniquely this way, okay? So we want you all to have quality shades that are built to last and Shady Rays has you covered with premium polarized shades that won't break the bank. So AJ, if you're the GM of the White Sox, mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. you totally scrapping it down and starting over? There's so many fan questions specifically about guys like Robert and Dylan Cease. You're totally starting over again? Didn't I say they should have traded Cease at the trade deadline? Yeah, Didn't I say on this very show, blow it the fuck up and start over? Did I not say that? You did. Jerry's so, not going to do it. What's changed? What's changed? They've only gotten worse. What's changed? Why would we change now? I know Jerry's not going to do it. He's already proven that if he hires Dayton Moore and Chris Getz. We, we've established that. But you asked me what I'm doing if I'm the GM. I'm starting over and I'm telling Jerry it's going to take at least three b- rebuilds to get this done. So, therefore, I get a 15-year contract <laughs> and I'm good. <laughs> Such a... <laughs> If you don't love your sh- – wait, ready for this? If you don't love your Shady Rays – If you don't love your Rays, you wait. just rebuild, and Shady Rays will rebuild them for you, and you get five more for your Well, Stop you it. can exchange for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. No risk when you shop for Shady Rays. As for the GM of your ball club, especially if it's with the White Sox, you're usually locked in for, like, what, 20 years? <laughs> it's 20 years. There's, there's a health benefit shine. of some kind for the yeah. rest of your life. Here's 20 years. So with that being said, exclusively for the FT fam, you hit up ShadyRays.com and use the code FOUL, F-O-U-L, for 50% off two-plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Shady Rays, best deal of the season. So try for yourself. The shade's uh, rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Let's slap hands. These are the dirtiest ever. Ever. You know nothing. You work for the White Sox. That's when, a strike. When you travel as much as I do, everything I have has been through a lot at this point. We are in late August. You take your glasses off with your 
fingers on the lenses like, a, like a two-year-old. While sitting on the wing of the plane that I'm on. <laughs> 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 All right, so we do have news in case you missed it the other day. Kratz and I, again, will be sitting next to each other for Thursday's show. We will be on location in Somerset, New Jersey, near my hometown. I grew up in Warren, New Jersey, big old Warren. I used to work for the Somerset Patriots back in the day. This will be a homecoming. And no, I never played. I was the on-field host with a mic. But Kratzy's coming with me because he was part of the Yanks organization. Somerset's double life for the Yanks. And Kratz is going to throw out the first pitch. And we have a lot more planned. We're going to do the show from there from one to three. AJ will still be in studio. AJ will bring on some of their prospects. It's going to be a good time. So make sure you tune in. And if you feel like you enjoy us hitting the road, we'll try and do that more frequently um, as we do, obviously, to Atlantic City, which will be there on Friday. Corbin Burns is going to join us for tomorrow's show. And then we'll get some Yanks minor league prospects, too. So looking forward to that. And, uh, oh, Twitter loves AJ Przinsky. Is that how we want to finish here? They do. That's way too small for me to read. Wow. Can you read it? It says, White Sox introduced new GM Chris Getz. Oh, wait, no. It's not what it says, but. White Sox introduced new GM AJ Przinsky. Mm. Coming to a tweet near you. I think I called for that, too, but my Kratz hats today is a team that's in a perpetual rebuild. But (laughs) I got called up to the show. So this is my first ever show hat right here. I got a bunch of pirates hats that Wait, I Wait, is that three? Hold on, not to interrupt because you're talking about your call. No, no, you're good. That, but is that three words though? It is. Three A J. That's a okay. I don't know if that was. I mean, I don't know the who word. Repre- but you're, it's a letter representing a word, which is a name. Oh. Yeah, but there's two. But there's there's two ways that it shows up on Baseball Reference. Some are A J, and mm. some are. A dot J dot Pierzynski. Do I get to combine those for double my war in my career? Yes. What do you go by, AJ or AJ? <laughs> like AJ with two dots or AJ without? Hmm. I mean, Never two dots and a dash. And a dash. Mm-hmm. Great bar in Chicago, just saying. Um, <laughs> it's three dots and a dash, actually. <laughs> I was like, I don't, yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know that Midwest. Three dots and a dash, great bar in Chicago. I'm just saying. Two um, World Series and a pick one. People have asked me before. I'm like, I, I, think I mean, you I, go even if way. I'm right, if I'm writing it, it's a J, J. But if I'm signing, there's no dots. Or if I'm typing it, there's Perfect. no dots. Okay. So the answer is both. Either one, both. Either one. Either one works. And he's not running the White Sox. He is running foul territory with us every yet. day. Yet. Yet. Okay. My world Good domination luck. has not begun yet. Good luck overtaking Tony LaRusse's power right now. Mm. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. This was a good one today. We will see you in Somerset, New Jersey for FT Live on Thursday. Oh, and Hawk texted to Kenny and Rick. He gone. He gone. <laughs> you guys were mean, man. Hey, FT Live fam. If you're new to the party on the BetMGM Sports app, enter the promo code FOUL. F-O-U-L for up to $1,000 back if your first bet loses. It's simple. Ready? Download the BetMGM Sports app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Sign up and deposit into your newly created account. Place your first bet offer and receive up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if it loses. If the bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once the wager is settled. Gotta use the bonus code. Foul.